2: Welcome to the Transform You Live show. Get inspired and motivated to make a real transformation in your life and business using the power of optimism and mental focus. For more information, visit TransformYouBroadcast.com. That's Transform the letter U, Broadcast.com. Now let's make
1: way for your host, Marky.
2: Hello, my people, my people. Welcome back to another amazing show. We, we got a very phenomenal guest here. And remember here, this is the only place where we talk about real experiences, real stories. And if it's not natural, you know, it's got to be beyond the natural. So we're going to transform your lives. here with Awesome individual here. So who are we talking about? We're talking about Dan. Uh, so Dan, he's going to tell you more about himself, but I'm going to give you brief paragraph here. So then he's born and bred in Jerusalem, Israel, ex-military, a master's degree in science, and another one in music. Been creative since day one, co-writer of the movie Fallen Star, and of Brooklyn All-American. Currently in development is the 36 Watchers, which is his first novel, Uh, and I had the opportunity to uh, check out a couple of these uh, elements of the, this particular novel, and including the the podcast too. So I do encourage you to check it out. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we have uh, Dan online. Uh Dan's going to uh, pronounce his last name for for you as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, you know, uh, you know, properly get introduced to his full last name. Although I got the correct spelling uh right here in front of me. I'd like to, you know, uh be properly introduced to it. So Dan, are you there with me?
3: Yes, I'm here. My
2: name is Dan
3: Barhava. That is the correct pronunciation.
2: Yeah. I was looking at it and I I always like to make sure that I can say it correctly. So Dan Barhava. Yes. Nice. So Dan, let us know uh more about you in your own words. So first of all, the
3: name Bar Hava is an interesting name because my grandfather came to Israel uh, from Europe in the 1930s and his name was not Bar Hava, it was a different name. And it was a name that the Polish people that he lived with uh, put on Jews as a derogatory term. And he wanted to change that, so he invented the name. Therefore, our family is the only family in the world with that name, Bar Hava which literally means son of Eve because his wife was pregnant at the time. He was hoping for a baby boy. And he thought about himself and her as Adam and Eve, the biblical couple because they went to a whole new land and he invented that name Bar Hava, which means son of Eve.
2: Wow. That is truly an amazing story. And you know what? I, I have never, you know, have never have been introduced to such a an amazing, an amazing background uh, of a story. So that that is truly remarkable. Um, continue further, <laughs> enlighten <Okay. the> us <laughs>
3: more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what a, what an icebreaker. Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, I always get uh, I always get questions about this name and when I do go to visit Israel uh, people recognize that name because it's very unusual. So I'm talking to you uh, primarily about the book that I wrote and published about six months ago called The 36 Watchers Book One Fall and I do have book two and three in the works. It's going to take time because writing takes time. But... I was very fascinated with the very particular concept of the 36 Watchers. People that are familiar with things like Freemasons or King Arthur or any religious or uh, mythological concept of a savior or a guardian will be very interested in this because it says so in a book called the Talmud, which is the Bible of the Bible. Uh, it only says it in one place, that in every generation, there are 36 people that guard the world. And if even one of them is missing, then the world will come to an end. And the difference between this particular myth or concept and all the others is you don't know who these people are. You know who King Arthur is. You know who Jesus is. You know who everyone is when they're supposed to protect mankind. But these guys, you don't know who they are. So that fascinated me for a long time. And at some point, I sat down to write it, and fast forward five six years later it's out
2: truly truly remarkable and 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 we you know uh and we was talking we you know we you know you were talking about you know how um you know you you, you coming from israel you know um you know you uh, were pretty much surrounded by uh, so much uh, uh, religion and um, uh, people who were you know essentially uh, uh, you know like I guess a, a walk-in uh, history relic <laughs> so uh, so is, is it you know um, I dare dare to ask you know uh, could some of this you know um, history you know or past uh, could have could have aspired some of this uh, 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 spark of like creativity to write this.
3: Yeah, absolutely, because when you grow up in Jerusalem, it's a very, it's an unbelievable place, when you think about it, the holiest place for Judaism, the holiest place for Christianity, and the second holiest place for Islam. So right away you talk about about two-thirds of the population in the world, they believe in one of these three religions, and the place is filled with uh, sacred relics and places Uh, you can walk from where muhammad took a journey from mecca to jerusalem to where jesus was crucified to where the last wall of the temple before it was destroyed by the romans stood and everywhere in jerusalem spirituality is all over you and i'm very spiritual just like yourself i'm non-religious i think the spirituality is something that connects us directly to dimensions that we are not familiar with or don't know about in our day-to-day lives. And that's what led me to write the book because I very much believe that such dimensions exist. And I did extensive research and I was able to weave a very nice narrative of fictional history, non-fictional history, supernatural elements into the story. The podcasts that I have up uh Provide further insight into that, and I'll be happy to answer more
2: questions about that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's quite remarkable because, like you know, it's is this is sort of uh very, you know, in a sense, um it's very foreign to you know uh, many Americans uh, on, on our side in in, in Western culture because uh, uh, you know uh, this you know in in Middle East this is you know uh, very you know. I, I, I would say this is very, you know, very common story. Um, and um, would you say that, you know, uh, would you say that that's very true? You know, uh, 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 even you know, um, you know, uh, even just the the story of the the thirty six just men who saved the world um, in the Jerusalem Post, right? Um, I don't, I believe that there's some truth
3: to it. It's very hard to say because supernatural elements are very hard to verify as you know, and the audience knows, but I sat down to write this book because I believe strongly that in every myth that holds and, uh, withheld the test of time and holds water throughout generations, and in this case, more than 15, 1,400 years, uh, there has to be some grain of truth into it, and then all you have to do is go look for pieces that fit into the puzzle, and be able to build it from
2: there, which is what I did. Yeah, great, great, great. You know, yeah. So yeah, we we definitely appreciate that, it, and um, and, and what you're doing, you know. So, uh what, what, how how does it opens up, you know, um. In, in your story you you know and uh, and maybe you know how does it differ uh differ from like you know how is it told in um in, in in other stories
3: oh that's a good good question thank you for asking that i do believe that when people ask me about the book to provide quick comparison i says uh, i say things like compare take this book and think about it as a cross between the da vinci code and The Matrix, and Harry Potter. Uh, And right away, it puts you in a particular spot of how to relate to the book. So the book opens in a very regular day-to-day place and time, which I can't disclose right now because it will be a spoiler. But you're being introduced to the main character of the book, which is a woman. And uh, I wrote her over many years. I do like how she came out. And you get to meet her in her natural surrounding in the day-to-day world. And then events happen and take place. And little by little, you get to see how she transforms from who she is to becoming a watcher. And as far as provide a little more texture about what the watchers are and the world they live in, which is our world, but in my book, uh, the watchers are descendants of mating between angels and humans, which is documented in the Bible and has been taken advantage of in other movies and books. Uh, Noah's Ark with Russell Croy is one example. I believe uh, also a little bit in The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, possibly. Uh, so the Watchers come from a very particular lineage, which makes them who they are and gives them the power that they have. And the other part of the book has to be the dark part, because cannot have good uh, versus evil epic battle if you don't have the evil. And for that, uh, I used myths, legends and traditions that are really unused in popular culture or in religion. And that I believe is one of the aspects that makes the book very special because there is a tradition within Christianity that is non-canonic, non-Catholic Christianity that assigns a particular character to be the ruler of the world and to be a false god of the world. And that is actually an evil character. And I'm not gonna go into much further because it's all in the book, but this particular character, the image, the likeness, the description is unfamiliar. People will not be familiar with it out of general culture. It's not the devil, it's something very different. And I think that that adds a lot of texture to the book. And I was able to take this, use it, and also tie it to a lot of traditions about secret societies that do exist. And I found a lot of logical connection to make between all this soup of secret societies and that false god of the world versus the watchers and the fight that they're having uh, across many generations and many historical events that I was able to take into the narrative.
2: Yeah, I I can see you know uh, where you know you you really you know infused a lot of you know um, you know uh, just just your own experience you know and then you know was there was there a, a lot of you know some research that you did um, uh, had to go back and double back on. to, to, you know, to um, infuse in some of the characters?
3: Yeah, um, I would say that uh, I'm Jewish, as you know, but I'm very fascinated and was always fascinated with the character, with the historical figure of Jesus. And he plays a certain uh, pretty central role in the book, not so much by himself, but by association, because there's a lot of, contradictory um, informations and facts about him. Jesus is the founder of Christianity, but Jesus was Jewish. He was right. born, lived, and died a Jew. So that was always fascinating for me. And uh, there is a tradition uh, among esoteric Christianity, not the main one, that the birth and life of Jesus is the center of the world's history and everything is symmetric going into his birth and going out of his birth everything was led into it and then it reverses the order going out of it which is very far-fetched but if you look at some historical events you start to wonder about this and i'm just going to mention one which is the roman empire that started 500 years before jesus and ended 500 years after jesus and that's interesting uh so that made me thinking And in addition, the whole crucifixion, in my view and opinion and looking at it and reading it, is something that had to happen in order for Christianity to flourish into where she is now, which is very, very popular and prevalent in the world. So events that led to the crucifixion must have had a guiding hand in them. And the person that everybody likes to hate uh, in that story is Judas. And I turned that around in the book, which is one of the interesting plots that happened. And I did that across other historical events as well. But this one is the one that I like to uh, put up as an example and then not give too much information to not take away from the reading itself when people get the book.
2: Yeah, this is very fascinating, you know, and I, I'm really enjoying this conversation. As you can see, I got a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of questions about it you know so uh, you know i'm really you know uh you know really interested in getting my hands on it personally so uh, yeah ask away please yeah so uh yeah so so uh, you know i'm very fascinated you know in just the, the choosing uh two of um the central character uh being uh being a woman um was there any uh you know uh of just like the you know the the rise of like you know um, of feminine energy uh, in 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 today's society that, that influenced that or you know or or just that or you know or if we go back to into you know biblical you know biblical times or you know uh, you. Know, or just you know or or even in the torah you know how women were were, were just treated differently and trying to kind of just twisting that around a little bit and going opposite going in the opposite direction
3: it's a really really good question and you know what i've been asking that question myself because to tell you the truth the book began uh in 2012. this is when i put the first words down on paper And I I was uh, visiting Israel at the time. I was in Tel Aviv, which is a magnificent city by the Mediterranean. And my friend had an apartment on a high rise on the 23rd floor overlooking the beach. And it was a summer night. And he had the small balcony, which you have to be uh, not afraid to sit in because it's bannister is teeny and you feel like you can fall at any time 23 stories down but i was there with my laptop and i was thinking about this thing and all of a sudden it started writing itself and it just felt very very natural that this should be a woman and not a man and i can tell you exactly why um, and it's interesting because in 2012 that's before me too and before the rise of feminine energy that we see in the last three or four years it yeah. just felt right so maybe it was a little bit of an epiphany of foreshadowing <laughs> what will happen i can tell you yeah. it just felt right
2: yeah isn't that spooky though <laughs> yeah it is kind of spooky i have to say yeah but it i just, just i
3: just i just could not it just wrote itself and and then the name uh of the character came to me her name is jenna and it just came and it just happened
2: yeah it's like you know and then the fact that her name's Jenna, you know, kind of, kind of quite, uh, quasi opposite of, uh, you know, Jesus. <laughs> so, That's you know, true. Yeah, That's so, true. That's a good yeah. connection there. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's, man, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable and it's, you know, it's quite timely for you. And I, I can see how it's looking quite first for you, man, you know, and, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, you, and you find, you find your flow, you know, it, it find, you find a lot of flow for you, um, in writing this so it's it's truly remarkable um and it's definitely got me sparked um and you know and i guess i can ask you some questions outside of the book um surrounding surrounding what you know what are your um beliefs um and these these are you know some 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 older questions now you know that um you know um many you know many um many people in, you know have fallen away from and you know we we kind of got got our you know own views about now you know um about um the Freemasons and, and the illuminati you know but but what is your insight about it and what you know what have your research um, kind of pil- oh wow that,
4: that
3: that's a fa- that's an awesome thank you because i got like a whole wall of books about this stuff
2: yeah, it's, especially, or, yeah especially yeah especially having co-write on you know um on some of the most popular uh, some popular uh movies and you know and you know and shows so so you see when you take uh, something like the
3: freemasons uh the freemasons has recorded history that goes back to the 18th century 17 something i don't remember the exact date uh but they have beliefs that predate that by a lot and it goes back in three major steps. So if you go back from the 18th century England, which is where the first recorded history of Freemasons' lodges and meetings happened, they put a lot of time and research to prove, but they cannot do it beyond doubt, but they, they definitely raise interesting connections that go back from them uh, to the Knights Templar. And the Knights Templar are originated in the 11th or 12th century. So that goes back six or 700 years. And originally there were nine knights that were took upon themselves to provide protection to pilgrims going to Jerusalem after the first crusade when the Christians took Jerusalem by force from the Muslims. So that's the first step, the first pulse that the Freemasons say, hey, we're not from 17th century or 18th century. We from the 11th century, And then they take this one back to the first and the second temple in Jerusalem, uh, primarily the first temple uh, that was built by King Solomon, which has no historical record. We don't know if he existed or not. The Bible talks a lot about King Solomon, but outside the Bible, there is not historical evidence or archaeological evidence to support that. But Freemasons claim, "Hey, we go from England to the Crusades, to King Solomon, and from King Solomon back to the pyramids in the Egyptian dynasty of like 3000 BC. That is what Freemasons think about where they come from. So they think they have information and tradition that goes all the way back to the pyramids. I don't know, true or not. I just like it. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Then you take the Illuminati, which is a side branch of the same... Uh, historical -historical, semi-historical lineage or or chronological tree Uh, and then you take other secret societies I'm not going to mention too many of them but there's something called the Rosencrantz which I don't include in the book but also claim lineage from that and a lot of other societies claim they have lineage to Solomon to David to the Knights Templar. And the Knights Templar themselves are very, very curious as well because they are really historically documented to be nine knights in the 11th century that in 150 years grew to be one of the most powerful international organization in the world of the time. They invented international banking. You could take a note from a knight in the Knights Templar from Paris that says that you have 10,000, whatever the currency is, and then travel to Spain and then present that note in Spain and they will pay you. Hmm. So they came up with that. So they transformed for nine nights to a multi-conglomerate corporation kind of thing. And then, and people do not know this, on October 13, Friday, 1308, if I remember correctly, Friday the 13th. King Philip of France arrested all of them and executed most of them, which is the originated, which is the origin of the Friday the 13th superstition. Right. And that, uh, you know, I don't know what truth is that to these six societies and the lineage, but the fact remains something made these people very powerful. And I don't go into this directly in the book, but I hint on the fact that that evil false god, that in the esoteric tradition is called demi and people can look it up, uh, has something to do with that. And this is the force that the watchers are fighting in the
2: book. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You know, and um, it, it, it's, it's quite amazing, you know, uh, how, um, you know, we, we just look, look at, look at the word and you know we we always think just um, one or two groups but you know it's and it's and and it's still it still seems you know seems to hold so much so much weight you know uh still today and 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 i i like that you you know uh, were able to you know bring so much of that that research uh into uh into this into this book uh it, it adds so much of uh, fiility v- v- uh to to what you 're trying to shape uh into the narrative of this book as well um, and with the storyline mm-hmm. you know so so uh what what else uh have you know uh, uh, are you are you uh looking um uh, uh, to um uh, to to give back uh in in terms of um in terms of this book you know yeah because like um especially being a former in military you know um you know i i i'm pretty sure there's a there's some fight scenes in here too you know are, like uh, are there any you know um fight scenes at all <laughs> so, you know, or like any any uh, conflicts you know uh you know that 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 happened you know that, uh, uh,
3: well in in the in the first book in the first book of the series there is uh the conflict that happens happens more on a supernatural level okay uh, and i take the time to build the rules I, I i like doing that uh build building the rules of a supernatural world is not easy because you need yeah. to you need to operate by sort of rules and the classic example i always think about is that when you watch like a star trek kind of thing and you see aliens coming from another dimension that they can walk through doors and walls yeah I ask yourself how come they don't sink through the floor you know right they, it's a contradiction. So I took a lot of time and care to build the supernatural world operate by particular rules, and that was my main concern when I was writing that it will hold water. And I'm happy to report, to date, nobody, you know, uh, uh, confronted me about that from the people that read this book, and quite a few. Uh, People ask me questions about stuff and, uh, you know, some positive, some uh, positive criticism about certain things. But nobody ever said anything about, hey, this doesn't make sense. And uh, that makes me happy. So the conflicts happen on that level, on the supernatural level. In book two, which I'm in the process of writing, it's going to get a little more real because I like to pace it this way. So Jenna will have to become, you know, Supergirl times five. Yeah. that happens in book
2: 2. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that that definitely uh right there, you know, uh makes a lot more sense and, and it it does uh gives you, you know, uh some 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 imagery to, you know, to um in your head and you can, you know, and as you're reading it, you know, you can you can see this playing out. Uh yeah. You know, and know uh, and 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 um that military give, definitely gives you structure you know and it um, does yes and uh, and and it, and it reflects in your writing you know uh big time you know uh, having been former military myself I, I, I can tell you man you know uh, it, it sticks with you <laughs> so like it does <laughs> stick with you no doubt so so yeah we we greatly appreciate that um yeah so let's yeah like uh speaking of which uh so like being a co-writer of the movie fallen star you know adam Pascal is one of those main main characters in in those yeah um what is it like you know um you know uh, writing you know for like comedies and and um and you know seeing seeing some of your work that's being released you know on, on a big stage um on big stages man and um just
3: but, well, yeah. it's it's uh it's I have to say you know the that particular movie was an awesome experience and Adam uh, was an awesome experience himself and I'm just going to share one thing with you because it is a comedy and it has a lot of music elements and I am a musician in addition of being a writer yeah. and the the thing that uh, I remember most of this movie is that it centers around a song that
2: right.
3: you hear Adam Pascal sing that song at the beginning of the movie. And then he goes through his transformation because it's a journey that he takes, you know, it's a comedy, but he transforms from being a loser to being a winner. And uh, the song is performed at the beginning of the movie and then the song transforms and performed again at the end or close to the end of the movie in a very different way, which means that the song had to be written before the movie was shot. Exactly. And I had to write the damn song. And I spent, song is not a book, it's very different, and you can, song is three, three and a half minutes long, but you can spend a year without getting anything done. And the way the song was written was this, I had to drive a 1958, Rolls Royce, (laughs) for three hours, from Jersey Shore to upstate New York, when the movie was shot, because we were using this car and one of the opening scenes of the movie. This is a 1958 Rolls Royce. It is moves like a boat, looks like a boat, has no radio, has no heat, has nothing. I had to like fill in in a gas station, you know, every 50 miles because it's a gas guzzler. Every time you walk, you drive into one of, imagine you drive and you see something like this falls into the gas station, what would you (laughs) think? What would you say? So, took me three and a half hours to do this. And the song came to me at this drive. I couldn't write anything down. I couldn't record anything. Did not have a smartphone back then. And I just had to sing it in my head again and again and again and again and again, and again for three hours. And when wow. I got there, I deposited the car. I took a piece of paper and a pencil. I wrote the words. I wrote the notes and that's how the song came and it's good the song is good
2: yeah i mean you know there's there's some really that's some really good music man and it it, it really shaped the mute uh, the set the tone for the for the uh movie um and this is you know I, I don't think we have seen any romantic comedies like this um you know which you know give you a, a you know inside look of uh, orthodox jewilism you know uh bumping heads with you know Uh, with the Kabbalah you know um, very true very true very true very true yeah so you know because it just it just gives you a a different look of like you know the craziness
3: (laughs) that's true and again you know I'm Jewish I'm not religious but I'm very familiar with all the traditions because I like knowing about religion I don't like practicing it but I like knowing about it so the movie deals with it from a more comedic aspects and the book deals with many of the same traditions, but with a very different like dramatic or historical aspects. but at the end of the day, you come back to the fact that you know Judaism was there first, and both Christianity yeah. and Islam took the cue from it and developed it to the point where everybody in the world knows so
2: much about that exactly, you know um yeah every everything else you know circles around you know um you know this this uh, this that religion uh, so and in the kabbalah you know itself so yeah well that that leads me to the whole other thing because
3: kabbalah which i'm fairly knowledgeable at and also it's a, a lot of things about numbers and letters that are so so uh central to mysticism and the 36 the number itself and uh, in Jewish, in Ju- judaism in jewish tradition uh we assign numeric value to the hebrew letters of the alphabet So people, when when I talk about it in Hebrew to Jewish people or Israeli people, I don't say 36. I use the letters that represent 36. Uh, And that concept is prevailing throughout Kabbalah. And the numbers are fascinating because six is a number that people don't know how much meaning it has behind it. I'm just going to give you a little bit of uh, connections here. Um, six days of the week, uh, before the Sabbath right. and Sabbath is the seventh day. And, uh, both the number six and seven are very meaningful this way, because if you play music, you know that the scale has seven notes in it
2: mm-hmm.
3: and the week has seven days in it. And the number six, this is where it gets really interesting. Oh, about 666. That is called the number of the beast or the number of the devil. And it's very familiar. It's been used in many, many movies and books. And it comes from the gospel of St. John, Revelation, yes. uh, in the New Testament. Uh, that's the origin of it. But what people do not know is that um, if you go to the piano and you play any notes, and then you count six notes from it and you play a note that is six notes away from it and you play them together, you play something that is known in tradition of music as the devil's interval. Hmm. And that's well documented in many, many places. So that connection makes the number six, gives it a very sinister kind of meaning. And the 36 watchers play off of that, which is all explained in the book. So Kabbalah, and other esoteric traditions do a lot with numbers, and I like that. Uh, when you talk about the, the, uh, just a little more about how Kabbalah works and how fascinating it is, if you take the first letter of the Old Testament and the last letter of the Old Testament, together they spell the word for heart. Wow. And if you take uh, the first letter of the word truth, in Hebrew, uh, the word truth uh, is made out of three letters, uh, Aleph, Mem, Taf. So the first letter of uh, the word truth is the first letter of the alphabet, which is Aleph. The last letter of the word truth is Taf, which is the last letter of the alphabet. And the middle letter of the word truth is Mem, M, which is the middle of the alphabet. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of stuff like that makes it For you, you look around and you say, wow, there's got to be something beyond day-to-day. And it takes some years to put it together, but the 36 Watchers live in that universe of hidden meanings, of words and letters and historical events, with natural and supernatural. And that's the stuff Jenna has to roll through when she starts her book, which she starts the book being who she is in the real world, and ends the book of who she is as a Watcher. And you get to accompany her on her transformation, and there's a lot of imagery there that took a while to write, but it's a lot of fun to read.
2: Wow, that that's truly remarkable. And, and man, that that there right there will you know, when once when, when you start getting very deep and you know, into you know, this just the the Hebrew language, you know, and um you know and, and really you know, uh, just peeling back uh, a lot of the layers of like understanding uh, the, the the meanings of uh, the words and numbers. Like, you know, it, you know, then it, it, it really makes sense. And you know, it, it makes a lot of sense, and it's and it speaks it speaks to you. You know, uh, especially when you you know read in full context context of a lot of these uh, sacred texts. You know, uh, and, and then it's just then it's just not words and paragraphs anymore it's true you know so so yeah really appreciate you sharing that um tell us a little bit more about your 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 own your own spiritual transformation you know we we know that you had a spiritual transformation tell us when it first started for you
3: well (laughs) i'm going to take you all the way uh to the stupidest thing i ever did when i was 16 years old and uh, i think i can trace my spiritual transformation to that time uh, and uh, at 16, I was the leader of a scout group. I don't know, I, it's not exactly like the Boy Scouts here, it's a little bit different. Uh, one, it's co-ed and two, it's not as structured as it is here, it's a little more wild. But what I had to do was uh, uh, I had to walk the track of a hike I was gonna take my group on the next weekend. That's how we do this, you know, you walk the track yourself to so make sure it's okay and safe.
2: Right.
3: And I came across, uh, check this out. I came across a barbed wire and a big sign that says, uh, don't cross this barbed wire because here there is a a, a minefield from a war 30 30 years ago that may still be active. So, you know, don't cross the barbed wire. It's like like a quarter mile long kind of thing. Uh, So I looked at it and then I said to myself, you know what, Uh, I'm going to cross. And if I make it to the other side, then I'm gonna take it as a sign that good things will happen. If I don't, I don't.
2: Hmm.
3: And I don't think a lot of 16 year olds do something as stupid as that. (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. So, maybe, maybe you can trace it all the way back there. Yes. Um, but uh, that's definitely one of the, you know, points in my life that did that. There are a couple of things that happened in the military, uh, that, you know, contributed to that as well. And I have to say, uh, from creativity standpoint, I'm very creative. I was always creative in many ways and endeavors. So, uh, when this song came to me that I told you about when I was driving this car, um, also, when I sat down, like I told you, in that Tel Aviv night and basically wrote the beginning of the book in like one shot, six, seven pages without stopping, like somebody was typing, you know, somebody was saying, I was just typing it out. Yes. Uh, those, are the, those are the times that I think when you feel like you're sort of like a portal is opening and you're connected to something else. Uh, right. You can not control it. You don't know when it's coming, but I do have a few of those experiences and they're quite exhilarating
2: yes there's there's nothing like it you know um when you know you actually can feel you know totally connected to you know to share to, when you feel at one you know when you feel one you know at, you know with something bigger than yourself and you know and, and you find that flow um and you know, and it's it's truly remarkable, and and it's set, you know when you can finally find that separation from, you know that that formal, uh, you know, all those you know when you can find get I guess in a sense, get out the fog, you know, of like religion, rules, structure, formal, uh, all those all those uh, traditions, things that they say you're supposed to do, and you know, and um and you're free, you're finally free, you know, so, and we, we were, we were put here to be free and uh, to live out our purpose and, um, and be, and be filled with joy. Uh, so, and, and it seems like you found a lot of joy. So is there, is there a particular, you know, uh, routine, you know, or is it a particular uh, thing that you do every day um, uh, to get you going?
3: Oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> I play my piano every day. Uh, For starters, you know, there's not going to be a day if I don't touch the piano, I feel like something is empty. Uh, So I try to do that every day. And I also try to work out every day, even a little bit. There's something that, you know, gets the heart going, gets the heart pumping. Uh, And I also try to find time every day to uh, sit and reflect for a bit. If you're a religious person it's prescribed to you you know you have to like if you are muslim you have to do it five times a day if you're jewish you have to do it three times a day if you're christian i don't exactly know how that works but <clears throat> i think it makes a lot of sense i don't need any organized religions to tell me that but it's very important for me to find time every day and sit down and reflect basically on the positivity of us and the positivity of who we are, and uh, if all of me happens, if a day go by and I did play my piano, I did work out, I did reflect, felt good.
2: Yeah, that's a pretty good routine, man. You know, yeah uh, <laughs> That's re- I think I think um, you know the audience out there can uh, really appreciate that and you know feel get some real inspiration from that and um, drive forward um yeah you you send us uh three 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 tracks here we're going to play those uh, at the end of this too and um tell us tell us more about those tracks that we're going to play
3: okay yes i will um there's an instrumental track called stormbird Uh, and this is when people ask me if you were uh, to become an animal, if you become an, in like a next life, or you're born as an animal, anim- what animal would you choose to be? And I don't know. I think the word, the accurate word, is albatross. Uh, these are birds that fly above the storms, so they don't yeah. care about the weather. You know, they see a hurricane, they fly above it. And uh, for me, there's no more freer creature in the world than than that. So I was thinking about it for a long time and I wanted to write music to that effect. Hmm. And uh, I decided uh, to call it Stormbird and not Albatross because I wanted it to be the actual meaning uh, of the word. And it took a while, it took a long time for it to come, but it came. And back when I recorded it, I had an awesome band. Uh, The band was fantastic. My guitar player, Seth, was amazing. My drummer, Rich, was fantastic. My bass player, Carlo, was great. You know, so we spend like six hours in the studio and that recording, I keep listening to it and it's great. So that is one track. Uh, The other track is called Central Park. And I live by the park. I live a block away from Central Park in Manhattan, New York City. And there is, you know, they asked me about my routine, not my daily routine, but my weekly routine. I will always be in the park at least one time a week. It's an amazing place. Central Park has great energy. Yeah. And I've been here since the early 90s, and I wanted to write a song about Central Park so bad. And I wrote hundreds of beginnings, and I junked all of them because they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they did, man. <laughs> And then there was one summer when I went to a place called Fire Island, which is a nice place off the shore of Long Island. And I had a guitar with me. I play a little bit of guitar, not, not really. And uh, interestingly enough, I sat the beach with a guitar and the song came to me, Central Park. Yeah. Song, words, everything. And uh, it tells a true story also because my best friend uh, is a guy named Scott who at the time left town. And I was was upset because I missed him. I thought he left for good. So the song talks about that as well. Um, And I recorded it several times. I wasn't happy with the recordings. I was happy with the recordings. The recordings I sent you is with a lovely girl named Melissa, who is, you know, I don't know anybody that sings like she does. I really don't. Uh, So that's that. And then uh, the third one is a song called King and Queen, which is a very romantic song about stuff I was going through at the time. And Melissa sings that one as well. And uh, it's very heartfelt, it's very romantic. And the guitar player uh, on that one is a guy named John, who is my really dear best friend to this very day. And uh, we talk all the time. He's a brilliant engineer, producer. So I owe a lot of that song to him. And when we listen to the guitar, it completes her voice in such a nice way. So these are the tracks I sent you.
2: Nice. Well, we look forward to hearing those. And, um, you know, once we hear those, uh, you know. Uh, now, do you, do you make those available um, for public um, streaming on Apple or Spotify at all?
3: Uh, I believe that uh, some of them are available, uh, but if they're not, then I will really, after just our hang up here, and I'll try to work really hard to make them. I'm a CSAC affiliate. I have to certain follow certain guidelines. Some of my music is up there. Uh, some is not. I haven't checked that in a while, but I will make them available, uh, you know, hopefully before... This interview is broadcasted, so people can get a hold of
2: them. Yes. Okay, otherwise we'll, you know, they they will just, you know, blow blow up my inbox and just bug the hell out of me. <laughs> and I will... Oh no,
3: well, no! In that case, just contact me, and I'll take care of it one way or the other. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, so that's yeah, we we we'll get it squared away. <laughs>
3: Yes. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll get it we'll get it done. I'm you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. very good on the creative side of things. I'm not so yeah. good on the tech side of things, yeah. which is why you and I are talking on the phone. But that's you know, there yeah. there's a line from yeah. I love this line from a Clint Eastwood movie, Dirty Harry from many years ago.
2: Okay. And
3: it's the best line I've ever heard in any movie. And oh says, yeah,
2: it's clear. Yeah, it's clear. It says crystal clear. a
3: man a man has to know his limitations.
2: Oh, I love that
3: i love that line and my limitations is tech
2: yeah oh man, you know what and that's that's probably the, um you know it's probably some some confirmation and advice that i probably needed to hear for today so <laughs> <laughs> we can we can talk about that on the other side so. that's true <laughs> uh yeah so yeah we got about eight minutes left here in the, uh in the in the recording so like drop us you know uh drop us down with some some words of wisdom you know you you're such a you're brilliant uh, brilliant mind um you know and it's not the master's degree uh that um you know that account for it it's just the fact that you know you you are very creative and brilliant uh, so uh tell us tell us give us some words of wisdom to take us home
3: home <laughs> okay, I could do that uh I think that um I write and I do music, these are the main two things that I do. So creativity is fantastic and not everybody has to be able to play an instrument, not everybody has to be able to write, but everybody can be creative uh, one way or the other. They, they found different manifestations to do that. And I subscribe to the notion that this is the most amazing features that we have, that we are creative. So in my pantheon of uh, of uh, people that I admire, I admire the creators. I think more than I admire any people can admire, you know, great scientists or uh, philosophers or politicians or generals. I admire the creative people because the power of your brain, there's no second to it. And everybody, you know, in, in research, it always shows that uh, humans only use like eight to ten percent of the brain capacity in in what they do. So I think creativity is the one endeavor that expands that, and there is no limit to it. Um, so I guess you can call it my religion, which is very loose, and you don't have to pay anyone. Uh, yeah. But you know, because yeah. God always wants money. that's <laughs> <laughs> the way it is. It's a it's a good business, you know, it's been a good right. business from day one. Uh, but I think that uh, if you celebrate your creativity and your individuality and, you know, you treat people the way you want people to treat you and you don't give a crap about where people come from or what...
0: Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was
1: only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. were prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.
1: Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing
2: our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for 7 months now through
1: December 14th. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Which they
3: speak or what they look like, uh, but you look into the inside of people. And uh, the world is a better place this way.
2: Truly, 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 truly brilliant and very, very well spoken. Um, we greatly appreciate you, Dan Barhava. Uh, so we just had a wonderful conversation with Dan Barhava. Uh, son of you (laughs) so yeah and um and i see why so yeah and um you know it's definitely been a pleasure talking with you my friend um leave us your contact information you know we're going to definitely need that
3: okay so first of all uh the book the 36 watchers book one fall is on amazon as well as everywhere else in the world But people like to go to amazon so you can go there you can get the book there and uh, if you like it, there's always some very nice reviews there. I would love for you to add your review. Uh, and then you can also look up uh, the Thetic Watcher podcast at podbean.com. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, I am going to give out my email address. And I don't mind my inbox blowing up. I'm kind of used to that. So my mm-hmm. email is dbh, which is the first three letters of my name, then Barhava. Followed by M, S C, M as in Mother, S as in Sam, C as in Cat, which is the letters of music without the U and the I. So D B H M S C S A O L dot com. And I'm one of the last six people in the world that use A O L dot com. So my friends joke that when I have tech problems and I call the line for tech support, they say, oh, hello, Mr. Barhava, what's your problem today?
2: <laughs> yeah, I believe that.
3: And he is absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, check out the book at Amazon, The 36 Watchers by Dan Barhava, and email me if you want. And As for the music, I will endeavor to make it available one way or the other. Some of it is up. Some of it I will check into.
2: Nice. Well, greatly appreciate you so much. And let's not uh, forget to mention that you do have Brooklyn All-American and currently in development as well, I
3: do. I do. I hope that goes. You know, we've been working on it for a long time, and um, we have a little bit of time, so I'll give you the – you're going to like this because the movie came to me in a dream. Wow. True story. true story, true story. About 8 9 years ago, I woke up. I was uh, I was married at the time. I woke up laughing hysterically and my wife rolled and said, "What are you laughing about?" And I said, "I saw a dream and in my dream, this orthodox kid from Brooklyn, you know, with the black clothes and the garb and the little curls that they have, you know, the big kid yeah. was playing football in the south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, and uh, and that was the dream, man. That's exactly what the dream was, and uh, it caught the imagination of quite a lot of people. We have oh, yeah. a lot of. I'm not gonna name. It's hard for me to do this, but there's some big names that are lined up to play in the movie, actor-wise. And the issue with that is that it's a bigger budget than the first movie I did, which was Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. This one is in the millions range. It takes a lot more time to raise that kind of money. But it may happen and it started with that dream, which was awesome and made me laugh for like
2: a day straight. Yeah. I can (laughs) Yeah. Oh Joy's kid plan. Football in the South. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> that's
3: it.
2: That's what the story
3: is about. Yeah. It's exactly about that.
2: Wow, that's that's interesting, that yeah. Yeah, you man, you just a jack of all. So you yeah uh, he has a lot going on, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure you do get in touch with him and um uh, support all that he is doing. And you know, and when you do contact him, uh make sure you Do let them know that we have sent you over. Let them know that Transform U um, sent you over to take a chat with them and grab up a lot of his stuff. Um, Grab it up, watch it, listen, uh, do all that cool stuff. So uh, this is Marcus Hart, your host, uh, Talking, uh, and we just had a chat with Dan, Dan Barhaba. He's the author, musician. And movie writer, co-writer and and all and everything he's a creator I just I, you know I think you prefer a creator uh, can we just call you the creator yes <laughs> so,
3: you <can. laughs> so I'll so, take that call me call me, Dan how about
2: that yeah so Dan so dan's Dan the man, so Dan you know so um, so so yeah, so make sure you do check him out and and this is uh Marcus Hart checking off. Uh, Until next time, many blessings, peace, and lots of love.
4: song will never end I feel a sun will always shine